0: Yo yo everyone and welcome back to Ocean Poddy, the No Doom and Gloom podcast where we chat about the sea, um, although sometimes definitely is doom and gloom, but I'm trying, I'm trying to make it positive. So anyway, um, I am sure that you've heard of Plastic Free July, Movember and of course Dry January, which is possibly my least favourite month of the entire year. Um, but this month, I have a little bit of a different challenge for you, one that I am wholly on board with and I can totally get behind. Right now, it is Fish-Free February. God, I love an alliteration. A month-long initiative that argues that the biggest threat to the oceans is not plastic pollution, nor ocean acidification or warming sea temperatures, but fishing. So I'll ask you this. Could you give up fish to help the ocean? Now, a pescatarian diet is considered to be more healthy and a more sustainable approach to food, most of the time. But what if eating a fish-heavy diet is threatening the health of the sea? Now, I harp on about this all the time, but overfishing is a calamitous and pressing challenge. The world's total fish catches have been steadily decreasing, predatory fish are becoming scarcer, resulting in trophic cascades, near extinctions, threatening future food security for more than 1 billion of the world's poorest. And when you add to this the fact that there is an insane amount of money spent by governments to prop up this industry each year, and illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing completely rife on the high seas, it's kind of unsurprising that a third of fish stocks are classified as overfished. On the poddy today, joining me I have Simon Hilborn, the founder of Fish Free February, and Max Bellow, ocean policy expert from Mission Blue. We'll be discussing the hows and whys of overfishing Funding the fishing industry and the importance of making informed decisions as a consumer when it comes to putting fish or seafood on your plate. You are listening to Ocean Poddy, the podcast hosted by me, Mads Ocean, marine biologist, underwater content creator, and general ocean frother. Each week I invite a new guest on the show for a chilled glass of wine or two and some light-hearted chat about the ocean. So stay tuned as I attempt to prove that it's not all doom and gloom for our blue planet. Welcome to the potty, Sai, and welcome back, Max. Max and I actually previously recorded an episode of Shark Potty together. Um, It's called SOS Galapagos, if you would like to check it out. 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's a great one. Uh, Hashtag self-plug. So, Sai, why don't we kick off with you telling us all about you and this absolutely brilliant initiative that you have created
1: sure so well thank you very much for having me on to to chat about this um i'm a marine biologist and and conservationist and i do a bit of underwater photography as well Um, i currently work in marine conservation surrounding uh, mantas and mobulas with the manta trust Um, and it was during my time when i was just starting out with the manta trust that i started visiting some fish markets in southeast asia um, particularly in sri lanka and i was seeing huge numbers of sharks and rays um, on the fish market floors. And obviously, as a keen diver and wanting to see these animals alive in the water and, and hadn't really seen them in 10 years of diving, um, to, to finally meet all of these animals that I'd been looking for, but to see them all dead on the market floor was quite distressing, really. Um, so that was one kind of impetus for for starting Fishery February. Um, and then I think another one was just the, the notion that people are becoming more aware aware of um, how their diet is impacting the environment with particularly um, terrestrial meat, cattle, poultry, things like that. And there's a growing trend of moving towards plant-based diets or reducing meat consumption. Um, But I just get the general trend as a marine biologist that seafood and fisheries are are so often left out of the picture um, and in some cases used kind of as as an alternative. So people move away from eating meat, like um, pigs and cows and and chickens but substitute that for seafood and they just eat a lot more salmon and tuna and haddock and cod and things and prawns um, and that kind of confused me a little bit I was thinking well hang on a second like the oceans are also in a really bad state it's not just the Amazon rainforest and things like that um, so yeah that was kind of why I decided to step up um, set up fishery February to um, Follow a similar sort of trend of, of thinking of reducing meat consumption, but with much more of a focus on our oceans and try and connect people with the issues that fisheries are causing the oceans.
0: Absolutely amazing initiative. I, as a, as a marine biologist as well, can definitely second that. Um, it is equally as important to, uh, if you have the choice to reduce your fish consumption as well as your meat consumption, if that's something viable for you to do. Now, also on the podcast today, we have Max Bello, who is an international ocean policy expert. I will let him introduce himself as well. But Max, um, tell us a bit more about you, and also, uh, what are your thoughts on giving up fish and on Fish Free February?
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to to be here with you both, guys. And I um, know that the work that Manta to trust um, you, Simon and. Good friends there have been doing there, so it's it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, I mean, I think this kind of uh, campaigns makes so much so much sense because we constantly, I think, we're kind of trying to fix things, um, but from the wrong sort of food. I mean, uh, I think there we we've seen some of this machine tools is they're not working. Um, they're actually you know need to be completely reviewed um, and, and, and it is, you know, many of us, many organizations are trying to push, you know, to how do we make sustainable fishing? How do we fix, you know, fishing? But the question comes to a point where do we really need fishing? You know, and, and I think we should also asking those questions in order to see what really is that we need. Many products that we consume, many products that are being produced, whether it's through fishing, whether it's to aquaculture, are doing a huge harm to the ocean. And I think it is important to go back and review whether those things are needed. I mean, do people in the world need tuna? Maybe some communities in some places where they're really connected, even historically, culturally, with the tuna. You know, I used to work in Rapa Nui, um, Easter Island, and and, and the, the community have, you know, um, since they came into that island, um, they have been consuming. They depend on tuna. But for a fleet that is fishing on the high seas to sell a huge price, tuna, to the world, to people who really can change their ha- habits of, uh, you know, like food habits, I mean, th- do Do they really need that tuna? It's not a food security question, no? So I think by reviewing those things from the ground uh, or from the bottom of the ocean, (laughs) it would be actually a huge um, example, a huge exercise that would help us to maybe, you know, do a better thing, a a better work on this.
0: And I think that's a really important point that you make is maybe we should be asking Do we need fish? Do we need to be eating it? Because the way in which we are consuming fish in the Western world, we consume it in this very decadent, uh, pre-packaged, imported kind of luxury of choice way. And, um, you know, this initiative does have real merit in inspiring people to give up fish if they don't necessarily need it in their diet. Now, Simon and I, actually, we did have a little bit of a chat about this last night on Clubhouse, um, but I'll touch on it again today for those who weren't able to tune in. So I've obviously been promoting this initiative on my social channel since the beginning of the month. Um, I'm very much behind it as someone who doesn't eat commercially fished fish all year round. And... Um, But I've had a teeny bit of pushback. And this has been in the form of the question that's come up time and again, which is, you know, fish is my primary source of food or it's it's the cheapest thing that I can afford. Um, So how can you ask me to give up fish? And now there are obviously large differences in, you know, per capita fish consumption across the world um, and who requires it as a primary source of protein. So kind of Simon, this one's back for you with Fish Free February. Would it be fair to say that this campaign is targeted um, at those that have the luxury of choice, us in the Western developed world?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, there are many, many communities around the world who depend on fisheries and, and I mean really depend on fisheries for for survival. Um, that's where their entire sort of protein source and food source comes from. They don't have the luxury of having food alternatives like tofu or um, uh, seitan or or are these sort of plant-based protein sources. Um, So yeah, the campaign is very much focused on the the people in a privileged position who have the opportunity to make choices in their diet, um, focusing on those. And like Max said, is it a necessity to eat fish? Probably not for many of these people. Um, and that's who we're, we're trying to focus with this, with this campaign. And maybe you don't have to go to the extent of never eating seafood again in your life, but we're, we're asking people to, to be more understanding of what the impact is that that, that seafood is having and reduce the amount of seafood that, that they're um, consuming. The population has uh, doubled in the last 15 years, uh, 50 years, the human population, the Seafood consumption per capita has also doubled. So you put the two and two together and it's just an insane amount of seafood that's needing mm. or fish and, and marine life is needing to be taken out of the ocean to, to support this. Um, and it's just getting to the point where, I mean, population isn't going to start decreasing anytime soon. Mm. Seafood consumption per capita isn't, probably isn't going to start decreasing anytime soon. So it's going to be more and more pressure on the oceans. Um, so we need to change something, um, and hopefully people will start to to realise that and reduce the amount of seafood that they are eating.
0: Yeah, and it's actually really interesting that that you brought that up because I actually looked up um, the stat yesterday. So at the moment there are seven and a half billion of us, and and we're producing 155 million tons of seafood a year. And when you look at the fact that uh, you know by 2050 will be looking at feeding a population of nine billion. Um, this pressure on the sea is going to be something that we, you know, we can't sustain it now. Um, what What are we going to do then? Um, and, and Max, obviously, uh, so we are producing seafood at a rate that is unsustainable. How How do you see this affecting future food security of those who do rely on fish for protein? And how would you like to see seafood production changing over the next decade?
2: Well, I think to begin with that, too, we need to realize that the main source of protein actually in the world, if you count, you know, like the the all the people um, in the planet, it's mainly plant-based. Um, we've been told that it's fish, that we should kind of increase that. It's, it's not true. There um, countries like China or like in um, in Asia uh, that have huge population, the main source of Protein is actually plant-based. As you know, also after the change of the administration here in the U.S., we've seen an incredible rocket ship sort of like going up on on the companies that are producing plant-based um, food. Seafood, including too, I think there is a great opportunity for change in there too. The other thing that I, for me, is very interesting when I look at this, um, you know, kind of statistics. Um, if you look at the FAO, you know, and you look at the, how much we are overfishing, how many, um, you know, stocks are actually, you know, on full exploitation. It is interesting to see also that most of that comes from the industry industry that is also highly subsidized uh, which is basically destroying um, you know the oceans by uh, with our taxes basically um, with many of the developed uh, countries taxes so are we really getting what we want from it I mean I think I uh, yes we are a huge um, population which will increase, but I we really get in the best of that, too. I we really protect them, the oceans in the way that will continue giving us more than just fish, but life on Earth, too. I think those are questions, you know, that put things in balance, too. Um, the, the oceans are for sure um, affected by all of this huge industry, uh, highly subsidized. And then there's some crazy thing to, to remember, The fish have produced, not by a company, it's not like you create a car from scratch and putting all the pieces together. The ocean does all that work and someone comes, kill the fish, and then put a price on it. But that price is really on what company decide market, how much you spend on the vessels or whatever, or the people that you need to pay. But in the end who's really producing that is the ocean. And we are not investing in the ocean in a way, if you want to look at it, you know, purely on a sort of economic uh, way, we are not investing in the ocean. I mean, we already have around 3% of the ocean is highly fully protected, which is what should be protected. I mean, 3%, meaning 97% of the ocean is actually for selling. And, and if you think about the ocean as the, you know, the, the, the sort of source of life in this world, I don't think it's really where we should be heading. So mm. rethinking all of those sort of numbers, too, and the needs, yes, the needs are there. But we can do a better job, actually, on getting our source of protein, getting our source of food, but at the same time protecting and not harming the ocean.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. Um, and I guess, as you say with the new administration, now now we do have this luxury to choose something different. A lot of people are, are switching to plant-based. Um, now, Simon, don't hate me, but I'm going to play devil's advocate a little here, um, in that should we be slightly hesitant in campaigns such as these to place that emphasis on the consumer? I mean, we've seen it happen, an example with uh, the plastics issue, uh, the climate issue, the, the rhetoric that, oh, it's you that must choose less plastic. You must recycle more or you should cycle to work. Meanwhile, these industry giants are cracking on. You've got Coca-Cola, for example, the biggest plastic pollution footprint in six countries. And yet it's stated it will not stop selling um, drinks in single-use plastic bottles. Um, so, you know... One could then argue that sometimes by placing the the emphasis on the consumer and consumer-based actions that we're detracting away from the corporate responsibility. Um, and of course, Max just mentioned as well subsidies, uh, which I'd love to come back to in a second as well. Um, so I guess my question here is how do we ensure with initiatives like fish free february that we're not just placing the emphasis on the consumer to make the change when it also is the responsibility of the corporate sector
1: uh yeah i mean 100% it, it is everyone's responsibility i don't think anyone can kind of step back from this and say well it's not it's got nothing to do with me the oceans are are so vital for for everything for life on earth for climate and everything that, that everyone is connected to it whether or not you're hundred miles inland or whether you live on the coast the the mm. state of the ocean does impact your life. Um, yes there should be more emphasis on on corporate responsibilities and governments and and things like that but I think so many people in the general public feel so powerless in that sense so these I think these grassroots kind of campaigns around general public, what can, what can everyday citizens do? I mean, most of us can't have any impact on or minimal impact on kind of what happens at legislative level, but you can make individual choices for yourself. And like Max was saying, we're seeing a huge increase in um, plant-based uh, products. And now a lot of those plant-based product companies are branching off into um, fish alternatives as well. And the only reason why that's come about is mm. because of consumer choice. More and more people are choosing these products. These companies are earning more money. They can invest more into research and development into new products and and branch out into new avenue streams. And now we're seeing more seafood products um, or seafood alternative products. So that's that's part of basically the the general public has done that by choosing these project products over meat products or, or yeah um, animal products ha- has driven that basically
0: yeah and for the for the record I totally agree I just uh, w- wanted to hear your answer but um yeah do you know what I, I went to went into Tesco the other day a British supermarket for anyone who's listening from abroad and um, yeah, saw fish-free tuna for the first time, um, which was quite a shock because I, I didn't really think that was something that was available. So it is crazy already how um, we are seeing these fish alternatives popping up. Have you ever had the luxury of trying them?
1: Yeah, I tried a, I tried a few, um, a few years back when I was still at university studying um, marine biology and, and things. And I kind of saw it and I thought, oh, let's give it a go. Um, it wasn't great. um but since setting up this (laughs) campaign i've now tried to sort of branch out and try um try more different types and they're a lot better um and that's just come with yeah like i said technological advances like research and 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 figuring out these recipes of how to replicate it and you'd be quite surprised at what's out there yeah you got your your um plant-based like canned tuna replicates um one of the british favorites like fish fingers um lots of different varieties of of plant-based fish fingers um Mm. even things up to like uh replicate smoked salmon made from like plant-based um foods
0: oh my gosh no way which is yeah it's starting to
1: (laughs) still a little (laughs) bit scary maybe for some people but it's, it's still really fascinating and that's one thing uh with this campaign we've had a number of these um fish alternative brands sort of get behind the campaign and obviously it's in their interest for us to sort of help us promote people reducing their seafood consumption um but it's really nice to see and and a lot of the big brands for your classic uh meat-free items like beef burgers or sausages or bacon and stuff they are now branching into um seafood alternatives and you can also get like mm. fish-free prawns and things like that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure uh, I'm ready for a fish-free prawn yet, but <sighs> but maybe eventually. Um, so now let's kind of segue back into, uh, I guess, the actual challenge of overfishing. Um, so... This issue obviously started around the 50s when, when the inception of new technologies and, and plastic nets uh, allowed us to become better fishermen uh, and to increase yields and commercial fishing really took root. Um, and this has too often been at the expense of the ocean. And now we find ourselves in the position we're in today um, with declining fish stocks, uh, declining catches um, and heading for a really terrifying future. So, um I don't know who wants to chime in here, but does anyone want to give a little bit of information on what overfishing actually means and and kind of how we've achieved this?
2: Sure. Um, I mean, I think there's there's you know a lot of uh, reasons for that. There are even the political reasons for that too. If you if you look at the EU itself, who have some of the biggest subsidies um, for fishing for the industry. It's also a continuation, you know, keeping some some way of life, some 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 communities alive. They're they're fishing, but the truth is, there's no as much fish out there. So the only continuation of this business is really to maintain that, and in the long term, to continue overfishing some some of these species, and that. That's something, you know, it's like a vicious circle. Um, many of these things as well are are done because of the lack of, you know, also management, because of the of the lack of accountability too. As we mm. know, a lot of this industrial fishing happens in the uh, outside of the economic exclusive zone. That means the high seas. There's a little, uh, you know, a frame to actually do out there. Um, the RFMOs, which are the, uh, the regional fisheries organizations um, set up by the UN, they, they have a lack of, um, uh, of accountability and they have a lot of issues to manage more than just, you know, a bunch of species that they are fish. Let's just say, for example, in the Atlantic, the, the, the ICAT or the, in the Pacific, the ITTC, they fish a lot more than just tuna or, or swordfish or some other like, you know, uh, expensive species, but they are actually fish on sharks. And sharks have been considered constantly as a bycatch when actually they're not. Um, by the moment that we can have, you know, kind of all the species that are being affected by those fisheries under management or under some of understanding that how need to be, you know, uh, uh, how do you need to proceed in terms of like release them or not whatever we might gonna have been losing already many of the species um the rate of fishing is is much higher than the rate that those fish can actually recover as you said the technology has been a a big one it's been also one of the big sort of uh, subsidized uh, items for uh, industry and so you know You can go deeper, you can go further, you can go longer just to catch those fish. And those fish meaning any fish that finally is available because it doesn't respond to the market or what the needs of the market, but actually the need of maintaining the activity alive. And, and, and that has been creating a huge uh, gap. We know now if we actually have a, a good agreement on the WTO, the, the World Trade Organization, that there is actually currently a discussion on fishing subsidies, um, that we can actually, just by, you know, um, so, sort of like fixing some of these big fishing subsidies for in, industrial um, fishing Um, we could have a huge um, recover of biomass around the world. We're talking about nearly 20%. I mean, that is a huge, huge um, benefit that that could be good for the oceans, that could be good for communities, that could be good for everyone. Um, You guys, you know, have been in the UK, have been through a long discussion on subsidies in agriculture. Um, Look Mm -hmm. at just, you know, places like New Zealand that cut that. It, it was a hard time to cut it, but then they overcome that hard time, and actually, is a much more sustainable, is a realistic actually business. No? most of the subsidies don't even go to people; they go to mm. those who build. You know, whether in, in in the agriculture is the chemicals. You know, big companies who produce chemicals are finally the ones who put the price because, it really, people don't have to pay for it; it's the government who have to pay for that. And so, you know, they can just keep producing those things. So you get those things out. In this case, you finally stop, uh, for example, producing those machines or producing those chemicals in the case of agriculture. And then, you know, you have more money to actually maybe work on a more sustainable way with the communities.
1: Yeah, it was um, quite demoralizing last year to see that the WTO couldn't come to an agreement on reducing subsidies Mm -hmm. um, for these um, illegal, unreported, and unregulated fisheries, which are which are causing overfishing, and it's it just seems mind-boggling that we know that these fisheries are doing no good for the environment and causing destruction that that everyone feels the impacts of. All of the other fisheries are are therefore impacted, and the, the sort of scale of the money that governments are pumping into this, basically wasting into into overfishing. All of that money could be used anywhere else in the government and obviously now with COVID and the pandemic and stuff, it's uh, governments need as much of the, this funding as possible. And yet they're still subsidizing the, these overfishing fleets and, and providing fuel subsidies and stuff. It's uh, It just seems mind boggling, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of put it into perspective for those listening, at the moment it's estimated that these subsidies are around 35 billion dollars a year. So no little matter indeed and and as Simon says, where could we better place this money? Um to to do better. Where where could we invest 35 billion dollars which we're using as Max has said to chase down populations of fish by providing money and fuel um for an industry that's just not that profitable, um, so I guess, I guess that's the question. And I really, I really do hope that the World Trade Organization can continue these chats going forward. I know that they are supposed to resume early this year, um, and hopefully, they will come to a decision about that for the good of the ocean. Um, so now, let's come on to uh, a bit more of what's happening behind the scenes on the high seas because out on the high seas at the moment, we have large, large numbers of huge fleets coming from lots of different nations. Max and I actually spoke about this in the last podcast that we did together, which was about the fishing fleets that were bordering the economic exclusion zone of the Galapagos and the intense fishing pressure that was coming not just from the Chinese fleet, but from many different sides. Um, So Max, would you like to tell us a little bit about um, the problem with these large fleets that are coming from all countries of the world um, and the pressure that they're putting on fish populations?
2: Sure. Um, I mean, if you look at the countries who actually have that capacity, um, it it is a very small group of countries that actually can do this um, business, that can go as far as other oceans to fish and continue overfishing species. Um, I think uh, as we were talking before, uh, those those um, states, those countries have the capacity to pay for those um, in order to maintain business, in order to maintain uh, ways of life, but they're rooted also on an um, on unsustainable sort of way. Um, we have many more people we have much more technology that doesn't respect you know on the cycles of the, of life of the many of these species or destroying you know the habitats itself or we don't even understand what is the real sort of ecosystem um, you know components i mean fish have been fish are been eaten by other fish or other creatures they need that fish once you take that fish actually we we have a huge sort of gap in that chain you no know, and, and and that affect a much bigger, in a much bigger way. So I think understanding those things are, are key, but particularly also thinking about, as Simon says also, where to put that sort of like amount of money. Uh, more than, about 70% of the ocean, it is um, uh, on the high seas, uh, which means that most of the ocean is actually um, out of the economic exclusive zone. Not that we, all countries do a good job on the economic exclusive zone, but the, the lack of, um, of frame, for example, to create marine protected areas, to, for example, have like rules about um, environmental impacts of what it happened or what could happen in case you're affecting those resources, ecosystems, or whatever it is outside in the high seas, it is very, very little. And we've been for many years, actually, in a discussion at the UN, I, I have uh, participated also uh, very actively to solve that issue. And many of these countries that actually, you know, they're getting the benefits of the high seas now, they're trying to stop a good negotiation that ends, you know, in something that we can actually take care of as a mankind, as, as a humankind, you know, kind of uh, thing. Because in the end, the ocean's you know, don't belong to us. We are more like we belong to the ocean. We come from the ocean. Any life here in this planet has come from the ocean. So if you think about it, really, we don't own the ocean, but we should be more taking care of it because of that source of life, as we said before. Um, Thinking about that huge, massive piece of the planet that is pretty much unmanaged, or is managed for just few um, extractive issues. I think it is one of the biggest deals that we need to do as humanity in the next few years.
0: And so, do you think that protecting the high seas going forward in terms of securing protected areas and all this, uh, especially when you think of the 30 by 30 campaign, um, which for those listening is an initiative to protect 30% of the world's oceans by 2030, but obviously talking about a huge, a huge expanse of ocean. Um, So, you know, my question is, how how are we going to go about policing these areas? Do you think it's through international treaties and policy, or do you think we will actually have to have a physical presence there?
2: So, yeah, I mean, I think we need more marine protected areas. Um, If we if we are about to, you know, take care of uh, of these massive source of life, we need to protect it in a good way. And and marine protected areas, highly and fully marine protected areas, and, you know, there's so much information already that actually they are having incredible benefits for uh, humanity, for communities, for for the ecosystem itself or whatever. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, the, 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 we need to do that. We need to do that in the high seas. It's happening. If you look at the Antarctica, for example, um, marine protected areas, we have the Sea um, in the Antarctica marine protected area that actually it is the biggest marine protected area on Earth. Um, it is possible. It is possible. And when I get this question of like, so how are we going to implement? How are we going to actually, you know, enforce that area? I said, well, yeah. you know, what about putting the same resources or how do we actually doing on uh, managing or, you know, taking care of those activities that are happening there? Currently, you know, it's not that you have to do something new in a way. That question always has been there. Um, You know, how do we actually enforce? How do we actually, you know, implement um, fishing um, in, in areas that that actually takes a lot more, um, uh, you know, careful looking into the detail of what they are doing, how they are doing it, how much impact is that creating? For the ocean itself, and and so I, I try to turn that question on. Let's use the same resources, or or let let's Im- invest, as I said before, in in the ocean, because the ocean is producing all of this good, you know, sinking carbon, producing oxygen. You know, 50 percent of the historical oxygen that has been produced, pretty much in the in, in the planet, comes from the ocean. So. How we are investing back, you know, and money, there is money. Um, just a last report on the, um, uh, on the Organization of Developed Countries um, just a couple months ago showed us that 0.1% is being invested in protecting the ocean. It's not that there, there is no money, it's how we are allocating that money. And we need to bring up, and I think that's the kind of thing that I love about your program itself, It's that you're calling the attention about the
1: importance of the ocean and that will maybe place the priorities in a different way. I completely agree with Max. Um, We're just not investing enough money into the protection and and securing sort of uh, life in the oceans. When you look at marine protected areas or you look at um, enforcement of marine protected areas or, or management or anything like that, it's we're just not putting enough money in. And you think of the amount of money that comes out from and is earned from the ocean, um, be it from fisheries or tourism or any of this, all of it relies on an incredibly healthy ocean. Mm. And like Max has said, we're, we're reaping the rewards and, and take, 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 but we're not investing and, and funding the longevity of this ecosystem, which um, which we really need to be doing.
0: And I guess you could say that perhaps we take some of that 35 billion dollars that we're using to subsidize the destruction um, and repurpose it to reinvest in the ocean and bring about something slightly more positive.
2: There, there are countries actually who are investing on that. There are countries actually leading that discussion on, at the WTO who have been providing information on how they are actually subsidizing the fishing sector without harming the ocean. You know, they're the, the, the actual example I give always in Chile, mm. we've been putting a lot of money into, you know, management plans that helps, you know, the communities who take kind of a concession on uh, places in, in coastal areas where they are in charge of. So it's a co-management, but at the same time, they, so they get the subsidies to, for example, pay to professionals, um, marine biologists, for example, to help them to build those management plans and to have, you know, to take the right decisions on how to use those resources. That, that is a great way to, to do it, you no? Know, because it's kind of producing better for the community, it's producing better for the environment, it's, well ma- it's much better managed, mm. uh, you know, there's all the kind of examples too, but in general it is very well managed. And then, you know, so everyone is, is a very win-win sort of situation.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'd actually love to kind of bring it into the c- local community aspect as well, and and kind of bring it back to something that Simon was saying at the, at the beginning and his motivations for Fish Free February. Um. So, Simon, you spent some time in Sri Lanka with Blue Resources Trust. Um. And uh, at the shark and and ray markets. Now, this community, obviously my understanding is they're not massive commercial fishermen um, and that that it's the local community. And in this case, working out how to translate the impacts of overfishing to a local community, how do you think we can, having been there on the ground, best, you know, raise these questions with the local community and encourage them, um not maybe encourage is not the the right word, but, uh, as was Max was saying with this initiative, having having the marine biologists there, wh- what's your perspective on how we can, um, you know, better engage with local communities on on this topic?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of the time fishermen get a lot of stick for being the the culprits in this situation, and and mm. I don't think they should be singled out as as the problem. I mean, I've spent time in these fish markets and the fishermen who have landed heaps of sharks and stuff. They're super friendly people. They're asking for selfies with me. They're asking where I've come from, what football team I support and stuff like that. They're nice people. Um, they are just trying to survive and they're trying to put food on the table for their families and buy school books for their children and buy uniforms for their, for their kids to go to school and stuff. Um, so to, to single them out as they're the bad guys and, and it's them who are killing the sharks and rays and, and, And stuff like that i think is is really detrimental to to the sort of conversation um Mm. but what did strike me when i was there was they would unload all the tuna onto the onto the fish market floor and they would kind of sort it on what was the 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 best quality tuna and stuff and i was stood there talking to one of the guys who was kind of helping auction bits off um, and he was saying that some of this high-grade tuna would be exported to europe and to america so then it sort of comes back around in circles and it's it's no longer these sort of fishermen fishing to feed their local community and sort of like um much more localized it's now people in developed countries over in Europe and stuff are having uh are basically funding this this fishery essentially or having a having a part in it so it's much more connected um in terms of and also I think I think fishermen are, are often sort of like singled out as not knowing what's going on and then they don't realize that they're overfishing and stuff. They completely do. Mm-hmm. They they spend the most time out on the oceans. They know it more better than any of us and they are more than aware that it's harder and harder for them to to fish and to catch food these these small-scale fisheries in local communities. Um and part of that is down to other bigger corporations, multinational organizations and companies who have far bigger fleets, far better technology, um, able to fish around the world and being able to basically exploit oceans in other countries and, and basically taking away these resources from these smaller, um, more artisanal fisheries, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, in terms of education, I don't think that they need to be told that, overfishing is happening and that it's harder to catch fish i think they're very much aware of that and yeah so it's it's a case of sort of working with these communities to to find ways that we can uh better manage stuff and and make it more productive which yeah is is the tricky bit
0: yeah exactly um i I couldn't agree more and um i think yeah in, in general there is a a very big vilification of um, of fishermen in general, not just for the shark finning industry, but kind of all over. Um, and yeah, I think it's incredibly important to realise that you know the real culprit is the demand. Um, yeah, no, I think it, I think it's interesting that you say that that they don't need to be educated because I I, I do I, I agree that in some places for sure I think um, you know as you say they spend the most time out on the ocean um, and. And you know they know which fish are there, but I I have actually come across fishermen in the past who have flat out denied that it's a thing, um, and have just said no, the ocean will keep giving, which is a wonderful belief. But um, as we've seen with the collapse of lots of local artisanal fisheries across the world, that that is not the case. But I mean that's just one very very specific example um, of where, you know, education would be important, but it obviously is on a a case-by-case
2: basis. Max, do you have any thoughts on this? Both of you, but I think it's important to also, uh, as you said, I I, I, I think, um, you you know, not all all the fishermen are are good fishermen and, and even between the fishermen, they know that very well. And, and and I agree that they've been singled out and, and they've been driven at the same time by the market and, you know, and buyers and, and all of that. I mean, I've seen examples in Costa Rica where, you know, a single guy would come from from Mexico and he would, you know, buy, tell them, like, I give you all the all the way to fish this type of race and they will fish completely, you know, just to. And and they know what they're doing. Yes, they are Mm -hmm. much more vulnerable economically, you know. And those communities are many ways left behind. There's little to do, but that is also kind of a vicious circle, you know. And countries like in Latin America, for example, you know, they react because there's a huge vote, you know, source of vote. Am I going to vote this way or that way? So it's better to keep them, you know. Happy and, and and that many times means let's no regulate let's not do anything, let's not touch them and that only creates you know poverty in the end because you let them you know without the resources of science itself or management, they will overfish those uh, those stocks, which means that then they will not have that to 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 sell which will you know create more economic uh, problems in the long term. Yes, most of them needs, you know, the everyday sort of like filling their plate with food. That is a reality, too. But we should be thinking about both things, um, you know, short and long term. Otherwise, we're going to continue on this escalation of, you know, um, overusing resources And, 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 and stopping this kind of short term political game of letting, you know, this to, to happen, um, and not taking any care of that. And I think many fishermen I know they're aware, um, and they're trying to change that way too, um, trying to get out of this, of that circle. So there, there is a lot to do really, um, on, 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 on that way. But I think it's it's a much more complicated sort of picture um, of whether they are or not the ones to blame. I think it's it, you know, it, it's whole as a whole society, it's a political system, it's a, it's you know like it's a market, it's the it, it 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 is vulnerability, it's poverty, it it is also in many cases ignorance too, it is also um, you know kind of marginality um, in ways. I mean. Again, I work in Latin America where the, many of the communities, you know, are extremely poor. And so they're a lot more vulnerable. But they will not have the goods also if we continue putting the money onto the rich, big sort of industrial vessels, which are overfishing. And then what is left behind, it's, you know, the, what this fisherman will also fish. So, you know, it, there are many parts of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge topic and it's um, so many different aspects and it's definitely a tricky one to tackle.
0: Yeah, for sure. But now let's come on to something a bit lighter. Um, let's spin it towards solutions. Um, I'm going to throw one out there quickly. This is very controversial, but um, farmed fish, yes or no?
2: Nope. Okay. <laughs> 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 I don't even know
0: who that was.
2: Look, look. I, I mean, I, I, I tell you, I, I am from Chile, the second um, biggest producer of salmon. Um, probably the salmon that you eat might even come from from uh, from, from Chile.
0: I really, I, th- I think a lot of ours is Scottish. Actually, that we have here.
2: Well- it, it does actually, yeah. It's in Scotland and Norway, you get, that's what you get there. Um, the U.S. gets a lot of the Chilean and then Japan and China. Um, it is a huge industry. Um, but there are a couple of things to, to understand there. It's, you know, um, in, in this particular case, it's, again, people who can pay for that. You don't really need the someone, you know. It's an acquired, taste, something, it's something that you can pay for. Um, which is people who can pay for a different sort of, you know, food. Um, but that is driving, you know, one of an incredible ecosystem like the Paragonian fjords to destruction. Um, you know, species, endemic species like the the Chilean um, dolphin, um, you know, it's, it's been, you know, under threat because of this situation of this salmon farming is going everywhere. It's just they're they everywhere. But... Think about a species that is not even, doesn't even belong there. Um, A species that then is is produced in massive way because it's volume, basically, what is being produced there in Chile uh, from the same companies that are in Scotland, and there are 50% of them, they're actually from Norway, but they act completely different. So, you know, salmon farming in Chile produce at least 100 more times antibiotics into their production than Norway. And that is because of the management they use. No? Um, I mean, let's produce more, fish get more stress, and then you get, you know, um, more sick uh, animals. So, you need to put, you know, preventive sort of antibiotics, which then, you know, you're given to the animal. You are creating a resistance of antibiotics in this whole ecosystem. So, and, and then Imagine the amount of food that you need to be taken out of the ocean, let's say anchovy, sardine, and all of that, to create the pellets to feed the, those animals. Mm. That, that cycle, those animals that should have been part of another cycle in another ecosystem have been taken and then put in, into the fjords, which have a
0: completely
2: different oceanographic sort of, you know, characteristics you know, currents are different. They act almost like more like lakes, you know, that in in Scotland, (laughs) they're really more like lakes than anything else. And so they're killing those fjords and they're killing the industry itself. So, you know, there are other examples, very small examples of community working with local, uh, you know, uh, species on more, you know, um, sustainable, let's say, I'm always very careful of... uh, in the sustainable word, but, you know, in a different scale that feeds, you know, the community, the families itself, that's something that's completely different. But just imagine the, um, the footprint of that salmon farming in Chile, bringing the fishing for them, bringing those uh, or producing those, um, you know, food for them. Getting it to a very remote area like, like, like those in, in the fjords, then getting those fish out, then getting it to the world. Just look up, imagine the footprint of carbon emissions of that. It's just, it is insane. And who's paying that? It's the ecosystem, it's mm-hmm. the community. It's, it, that's not account. count. If you really put that into account, you do the mathematics of how much really a salmon costs, it will be inaccessible.
0: Do you know, it's funny what you say about the cost of you know importing and, and stuff. I actually remember learning during my um, undergraduate degree about you know the way that we import and export fish in the UK. For example, we'll catch however many tons and then export it to Spain, but then we'll import the exact same species from China for much, much cheaper. Um, and we're giving this massive carbon footprint to our food, that is completely unnecessary. Uh, not to mention the seafood coming from from China. I remember there was a higher associated level of pollution um, with this specific case study as well. Um, just in the interests of you know trade negotiations, which to me seemed absolutely mind blowing.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to to go back to the aquaculture stuff, um, I think it's often. Often people naively think of aquaculture as the golden solution, and um, oh, like I'm not going to be taking anything from the from the environment, uh, the wild populations of of fish. These are farmed and reared for for consumption, so it's it's fine. There's no environmental impact, um, and that's just completely not true. Like Max was saying, um, the fish pellets that are used to feed these animals are, are made up of Species that are often caught many, many miles away, and then turned into pellets, and then fed to the fish, and uh, you get issues with disease outbreaks, and lice, and stuff, and the amount of um, antibiotics that need to be pumped in to maintain these populations, um, and then the impacts that it it then has on the surrounding ecosystem with these things flushing out, and nutrients, and um, and uh, feces settling down into the onto the uh sea floor underneath these fish farms and and destroying sort of the um ecosystems down there and i don't think many people realize those sorts of environmental impacts that that aquaculture fish farming shrimp farming have um so yeah i mean i agree with max i, I it's definitely not the golden solution um yeah but yeah, it often is portrayed as being that, which is a bit worrying.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's being sold
2: also as a you know like kind of like they're overfishing, and so recognizing that they're overfishing, and so this is the silver bullet to kind of fixing that. But actually, if you think about it, we might not need that if we would be good on managing where we are not managing well. No, um, so you know, wild mm-hmm. fish. And, and, and it seems to be interesting to me that normally it's put it like, like if it's out of, like out in the space, like those fish are going to grow out just, you know, like magically. But as you said, Simon, as I said before, you need an input of food to feed those animals. Mm -hmm. And in particular with carnivores, and that's something very interesting. uh, There is a huge issue. There are new things now with the algae, for example, and, and I invite you to look at the, the you know, the seaweed manifesto and, and all this. that are working on, you know, the, the, the production of algae, which could be maybe, you know, um, another kind of way to for aquaculture, uh, which would be a lot different. But again, we need to make sure that it's going to be well done in a, in a good way. And not finally, we're going to create another uh, sort of thread for the ocean.
0: So, coming on to solutions going forward, then, what are we thinking of? What What is the ideal that that we should be seeing in the next decade in terms of preventing overfishing um, and ensuring that future food security isn't isn't threatened and that we're correctly managing the resources in the ocean?
2: Um, if I can start, maybe I can point out to some of this discussion we just have, I think tackling the subsidies would be one of the most incredible um, things that we can do for the ocean now. Um, the other one, it's the protection of the ocean. And you mentioned the 30%, per- which is probably one of the, you know, the potential new objective for the CBD, 30% of protection of the ocean by th- uh, 2030. That is a key element, too, of that. Um The uh, framework, a good agreement, uh, an ambitious agreement to the high seas, it's it's extremely important to uh, for that. I, I would just, you know, those are three kind of massive ones. And I would add maybe some specific of like, let's try to protect some very vulnerable places like Antarctica, and let's do a better job on on actually getting some progress there. Uh, Those things, and if people want to follow those things, you will find a lot of information about those campaigns and groups, many groups that are working amazingly well on those things to push governments to actually get the the, the deal done.
0: And Simon, what what would you like to see happening in the next 10 years?
1: I mean... If we could make the three things that Max has just mentioned, that would be outstanding. <laughs> um, I think on top of that, that it would be good to see a global reduction in consumption per capita. Um, it would just alleviate the pressure whilst we're working towards all of these things because it is something we can do. Like everyone can do it now. We can just eat less seafood. It's it's quite simple uh, for everyone who's in a in a privileged position to do so. Um, Tightening up of quotas um mm. really sort of knuckling down on the, on the quotas and and really following the sort of best scientific advice and like max was saying um protecting thirty percent of the seas, but ensuring that that protection is meaningful um and enforced i think is is incredibly difficult but is so important um we see so often that marine protected areas are are merely paper parks and such a small minority or, or segment of that is actually fully protected and, and effectively um, managed. So, um, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can agree more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, the, just those few things on the list. So listen up, everyone. Um, guys, I think that's about all we have time for today. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. It has been absolutely great to chat all things overfishing and fish free fish free february gosh it's the end of the day i can't speak now um simon for anyone who'd like to know more about the um, initiative uh where can they where can they go
1: yeah so we've uh we've got a facebook instagram and twitter and our website is www.fishfreefebruary.com Um, we've got some resources on there. I, I am hoping to really expand those and develop those in the next year or so. I've been quite focused on February this month. Um, but over the next year, I'm really hoping to, to build on those resources. Um, we do have a a pledge on there. Um, you can find it on our website and if you do want to go fish free in February to, to help the cause and raise awareness about these sorts of things, um, it'd be great if you, um, put your name down on the pledge.
0: Absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, and Max, is there anywhere that people can find you on Instagram or social media?
2: Uh, sure. I mean, Instagram, um, Max underscore Bello. Um, and then on Twitter too, I'm very active in Twitter, um, in Spanish <laughs> and in English, of course. Uh, um, so you can follow Max uh, underscore Bello underscore M. So um yeah those things I really appreciate and I and I would like also to invite people to follow Simon I think Simon thank you so much for what you are doing I think it is great even even if people stop maybe one day or at least think about what they are eating I think it just makes a huge difference uh, and so Please uh, count with us with Mission Blue. Um, I would love to also, you know, support um, your effort. I'm sure Sylvia Earl, which is my my friend and my colleague, I will be more than happy to support you. So let us know how we can, um, and, and I think that would be incredible. And thank you to you, Mats. I mean, like this is a great think that you're doing trying to bring you know the ocean to all the ears of people well thank the you world. for
0: coming on it's uh it's people like you inside that that really make it a great podcast so yeah thank you so much guys for your insight today um and yeah i think we'll leave it there you have been listening to Ocean Potty with me, Mads Ocean. As always, you can find the podcast on social media as at Ocean Potty and me as at Mads underscore Ocean. For additional episodes and info about the potty, head over to our website, newwave.store slash oceanpotty. And remember, it's not all doom and gloom. Stay healthy and have a happy week, guys.